Hello, this is Jesse Weiler for Adoramus Bulletin. I bet you're wondering what Mass is going to look like as soon as churches start opening up their doors to the general public again. And it will look different depending on what city or state or diocese you live in. I had the opportunity to sit down with Christopher Carsons, the editor of Adoramus Bulletin and the director of the Office of Worship of the Diocese of La Crosse, to talk about what has gone into the planning of a safe liturgy for the general public. So without further ado, an Adoramus interview. I am here with Chris Carstens, the editor of Adoramus Bulletin. Chris, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm looking to be transfigured through the Eucharist sometime soon, which is oddly enough, the topic today is that we're going to be hopefully opening up these churches pretty soon. We'll see a a widespread opening of churches. But um, I remember talking with you uh, a few times last week and you were mentioning how hard it's going to be to open churches and that closing churches was actually harder than opening churches. So uh, so let's let's talk about what it's going to be like to start to go to church again. Yeah. Well, the closing of the churches was easier than uh, that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So two months ago, or I suppose 10 weeks ago, uh, you know, Das and liturgist types uh, like me were uh, uh, trying to receive input from, uh, from other sources about, you know, well, how are you going to, how are you going to celebrate the Triduum, for example, without anybody there with uh, only nine people or without music and what rights can you have? What rights can't you have? And things like that. Uh, And boy, that was a flurry of, uh, of, of activity and and things that, you know, they, even at the liturgical Institute, Jesse, of of which I'm an alum, uh, they never taught us things like that. That, you know, I'm sorry that we failed you in that capacity. <laughs> you, you can offer a course now on uh, liturgical planning during a, a pandemic. You know, I think I know who I might want to teach that course, Chris. So uh, uh, I got your number. Oh, uh, yeah. I learned all sorts of things. Well, you know, it's we're in a better spot now because at least where the conversation has changed from how are we going to close things down to how are we going to open things up? But I've got to tell you, it is much more difficult uh, trying to open these things back up again than it it was uh, to, to close them down and, you know, put the other, you know, how, how to guide pastors in the faith about what to do. Why, why uh, is that? Are there just so many nuances to this or are you restricted by what the CDC says? What, what's hmm. so difficult about it? Yeah, well, that is uh, part of the difficulty is there's guidelines coming to to bishops and to pastors from all over the place. Right. So the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has has their directions. There's a good set of guidelines from uh, some Dominicans in Washington, D.C., the Thomistic Institute. Uh, there's medical Catholic medical doctors who are offering uh, uh, guidelines. Uh, last week, I think uh, the Center for Disease Control offered their own guidelines. States have their guidelines. Local county health departments have their guidelines. Uh, local provinces of bishops have their guidelines. And then internally, bishops are talking to their their deans and their presbyteral councils and taking consultation from their own people. And so there's so many points, so, so much input that is going into these uh, sets of guidelines. It's, it's really hard to, even though on the whole, most of them are saying the same things, uh, it's really difficult to try to make sense of all of them. So, yeah, there's a lot of input. So why don't we cover maybe five things that you sure. think are going to be really important factors as we start opening up churches again. Yeah. And, that, you know, they're the types of things that I would guess I, I want our listeners to, you know, to try to understand if you're not um, 
I don't know, you're not in the thick of it trying to help, you know, your bishop or something like that uh, with these guidelines, just so you get an idea of what your bishop is trying to sort through, what your pastor is trying to deal with, and in a certain way to give you a, a sense of what to expect when you when you do get back uh, to Mass. Um, I've written kind of a counterpiece to this uh, in, the, in this present uh, AB Insight uh, newsletter on how to actually pray when you get back. So this is more about um, some of the things that... Uh, uh, that pastors are trying to to figure out. And be so, patient too, because the people who are running your parish and diocese are really working hard to figure this out for you. And I know that it's frustrating that we haven't had access for the last couple of months, but after, you know, after hearing what you've gone through, Chris, I think it's important <laughs> that people have patience. Yes, but you know, these Dawson liturgy directors really have it hard, Jesse. Uh, to t- <laughs> try yeah, your big to- cushy chair and the diocesan <laughs> office that you always yeah, talk about. That's right. Hey, but here's some things that. Um, uh, that your bishop and your pastor and your pastoral councils are thinking about as they're opening uh, churches back up. You know, one, some of the things, you know, are the, the things that you would have to encounter. And of course, it depends where you are uh, listening to this, but in most places, right, there's still this six foot social distancing that's going on. Uh, you know, the advice to uh, to vulnerable uh, uh, people to, to stay home, of course, not to not to come to mass uh, if you're sick. Uh, what what they'll also do, and of course this varies too, is they're trying to limit um, uh, the percentage of people who might be in in the church building. Uh, you know, so and this could be anywhere from ten percent to twenty five percent to thirty percent to fifty percent. All depends on on where you have to be, and so pastors have to. There's no algorithm for this that I'm aware of. You know, they have to take account of the uh, the the building's capacity, but also maintaining these uh, six foot. Uh, uh, you know you know, uh, distances and whatnot. So it's really very difficult, but this is, this is something that, that, you know, businesses and secular institutions are having to do too. And, and your churches are going to have to do the same things, but there's, uh, there's some things that a church has to do in addition to these that, um, that you'll encounter when you get in. Uh, and the one is, is that, all right, so say you're, I don't know how big your parish is, uh, Jesse, but, you know, let's say you have a thousand families and well, you know, if, if you can only have a certain percentage of them, how is it that you're going to you're going to do this? And so parishes are having to find, you know, online uh, website type of sign up or they're doing phone calls or they're assigning mass times according to last name or they're just waiting for people to call in. And once once the that particular number gets uh, reached, then people are going to have to be to be turned away uh, uh, at you know, at the door in, in Illinois. I mean, we have mm-hmm. a fairly large church. It was um, it's a recently built church, actually made of two recently decommissioned churches. Mm-hmm. Fairly large, but in Illinois, the rule is ten. So, um, ten people eight, or ten percent? Ten people. Ten so, people. <laughs> yeah. So you could have a, a very large church, like we do, especially in Chicago. There's some massive churches there, but uh, but the rule is ten, at least for now. Um, I don't know if that's going to change any. Well, it probably will. I mean, and this is one of the things that's so frustrating for bishops and pastors is, you know, the rules and the guidelines themselves are changing constantly. So it's no sooner than a bishop gets out some guidelines and a new set of uh, regulations is relaxed or imposed and you've got to do it all over again. Yeah, but 
that was one point that really, you know, uh, should, I think, upset a lot of people is that you have this enormous church, you know, probably the biggest building, you know, some of them are as big as, uh, I was going to say a Walmart. Some of them probably look like Walmarts too. So this is another thing you'll encounter when you go back to church, sort of like when you walk in your Walmart, you'll have tape on the floor, probably. Actually, the first thing you'll see is, is a masked usher, uh, welcoming you into the church and then either directing you along taped aisles or even bringing you to the pew, uh, which may, which in fact probably won't be the place you're used to sitting in because these ushers are asked to seat people in such a way that there's not a lot of walking back and forth. I I saw a story on um, uh, how airplanes are being seated now. You know, it used to be different zones, you know, different aisles and, and seats, seat letters and things like that. Now they're just going to go from all the way from the back, all the way to the front. And I gather this is what's going to, uh, now for the record, I haven't been back to mass yet, so I haven't experienced this firsthand, but they're probably going to have to seat you in such a way that uh, there's not going to be a lot of uh, cross traffic. So that's one thing. You know, another thing is once you get to your, uh, once you get to your place is uh, there's not going to be any missiles or hymnals or prayer cards or things like that. All of those are asked to be really yeah, no, like yeah. no books or anything. No books because they wow. uh, every see the thing is that uh, at least at this time, every, after everybody leaves, everything in that church needs to be sanitized. And the more or excuse me, the fewer things that there are that need to be sanitized, the quicker it can go, the more masses you can have. And these hymnals are too you know, difficult to sanitize and they might, you know, uh, you know, pass on contagion and things like that. So, Jesse, one of the things that there some places are suggesting is that uh, for parishes who have this capacity is they would like they would email or text or send out kind of an electronic worship aid that you could look at on your own uh, personal device after you got there. So you can sing along with uh, uh, right off of your iPhone or something like that. That is fascinating. Oh, yeah, that's very fascinating. I think, I think we're getting deeper here. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, bringing up singing, you know, I've started to see more and more of this, especially the past few weeks, is that uh, singing is discouraged for a couple, well, principally for this reason, is that when you sing, I mean, you've got a lot more volume of air coming out. And this is what this COVID is, uh, principally a, a respiratory um, disease. And so singing is they're, they're saying it's akin to sneezing or coughing. You have this big blast and force of air as you're singing. And so even singing is being eliminated or at least downplayed in many places because uh, you need more than a six foot radius. Uh, if, if the person next to you is going to sing, you either that person either needs to have a mask or needs to be 12 feet away from you because the singing propels uh, possible uh, uh, contagion to uh, to more people. So there will be a lot less singing, probably. When you Are go we going to see a resurgence of sotto voce or? Uh... Well, I, very possibly. There, uh, you know, our friend Adam Bartlett has uh, talked about what we should see a resurgence of is uh, chant, uh, whether it's English chant or Gregorian chant, because it's the nature of chant versus, say, a hymn or something like that, that it's basically a sung speech as just a kind of elevated speech. And it's not this, you know, Pavarotti, you know, belting out uh, all of the chords. That's fascinating. Wow. That's yeah. a that makes a lot of sense, actually. Well, yeah. Once again, I, you know, and, and, you know, so many times there's things in the liturgy that we like, what, what? Why? Where did that come from? But there's uh, very often a lot of uh, practical uh, and prudential things. And so, you know, the type of music the church has always called for, this kind of chant is especially suitable now. But uh, so we'll see when you get back what uh, what it is that you uh, experience. 
Uh, other things that you'll see there is there's there's great uh, great is the word, but there's uh, some debate you know out there about uh, even you know secularly what about wearing masks. You know, is this uh, um, it's always it's always put forward even by the CDC and whatnot as kind of a second line of defense. And the first is this social distancing and hand washing. But a mask can be uh, helpful as well. So I know a lot of bishops, a lot of pastors, uh, liturgy types are wondering about how, you know, the degree to which and which ministers ought to be wearing masks. I mean, should should the priest be wearing a mask? You know, I. It, I think the priest wears a mask with loops around both ears, and then the deacon wears a mask with a loop around one ear. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, but uh, at least for for health concerns, at what point do these uh, do these I don't know these abnormal things become too incongruous with the celebration of the liturgy? You know, I know in some places. That's exactly. Not- That's exactly what I'm thinking. Is like, at what point is it like quote unquote worth it? You know, are are we taking so much away that it fails to be what it actually needs to be? And Mm -hmm. I I don't know how to answer that. And probably probably it's always going to be worth doing as much as you can, as little as it may be. But Mm -hmm. it's a good question. Well, and I think really that that is the question. You know, they're they're I don't know. I haven't looked at the code of canon law for a long time, but I think the very last canon in that is uh, the care of souls is the ultimate law of the church. And I think in those places where, you know, the pastors can accommodate the faithful during this uh, pandemic time should on the whole be done. But there comes a certain point where. Granted, everything's abnormal today, but where it gets to be so abnormal that that very question is the one that needs to be asked. At what point do we say, all right, this is this is just getting too far, too far out of bounds? I mean, you know, the mask maybe one thing, but what about those uh, protective face shields and screens? I mean, is that is that a further step uh, out of nor- normalcy that might make it? Um, make you want to rethink and i know jesse there's a lot of faithful there's a lot of priests who who are asking that very question you know maybe it's just if we have to do all these things uh the symbol system of the liturgy the sacramentality of the liturgy is becoming so skewed that at a certain point it might just be better better to wait but again on the other hand people say well i mean people have said masses in prisons and in uh, hiding out in basements i think that graham green's uh uh, the power and the glory about the the whiskey priest, you know, saying all of these masses in in very abnormal circumstances, and you know, is the lifeblood of the people. So, this is a question that uh, a lot uh, are asking. Maybe just one other thing, and we'll we can wrap this up. But the the biggest question seems to be from from my own conversations is about the manner of receiving Holy Communion. You know, should the priest be masked then? Should he wear gloves? Should recipients receive on the hand? Can they receive on the tongue? And if they receive in either of those manners, is it's like there's a whole new set of uh, a small set of guidelines that enters into the picture about sanitizing hands between communicants. Should should people receiving the hand sanitize their own hands in the communion line as they go up to receive? What if you're not going to receive? Can you let the people in your pew step over you? Or should they just file into line like everybody else so there's none of this kind of uh, cross-trafficking? You know, and I guess in all of these, you know, I, I just want um, would want fo- folks to know that you know, you're, you're going to be tempted to think this is going to be great. I haven't been ma- back to I haven't been to mass for three months. And now finally I get to go to mass and you're going to get there and 
there's going to be this great temptation to be frustrated and disillusioned and disappointed and even but that's angry. just because you're a liturgist. <laughs> then you add all this on top of it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, as I said, there's um, there, there, there's uh, an article that I wrote on the in this AB uh, Insight newsletter for uh, for May 2020 that can help. Uh, participants see through and see beyond all of these inconveniences. And even, you know, many people go to mass and think this is, you know, a bunch of nonsense. Some people go to mass, many people go to mass and be very anxious about uh, being at mass for the first time. Uh, So you're going to have a whole different um, uh, cross-section of people with different thoughts. And many of those people might have conflicting thoughts in their own mind. How is it that we can be aware of what we're encountering when we go there and be able to pray through that. Cause that's really the most important thing is not these debates about the best way to go to communion. I don't think, but it's how can I go to mass and, you know, sanctify myself and contribute to the salvation of the world unto the glory of God, the father. That's the main question that should be asked amidst all this. So I hope this podcast and the other article can help us do that at least to a, to a small degree. All right, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, you can always see more information about the reopening of churches and resources at autoramus.org. For Autoramus, I'm Jesse Weiler.